The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We're talking about rich white guys. Yeah. Their priority is not necessarily the oppression of minorities because they are not minorities. So we need the minorities who can get the ear of the nation to come to the table and tell these rich white guys, hey, this is what our problems are. We need you to pay attention to them, and this is how we want this to to work out. It was never organized well. And I saw money was going to the United Negro College Fund and some things like that. Great. You know the Negro College Fund? Wonderful. I support that. But that is not what this initiative was about. Welcome to the Edge of Sports podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we speak to Tamisha Motes. She works for the G League and the NBA and is the wife of former NFL player Ryan Motes and has much to say about the state of the movement of NFL players for racial and social equality and against police violence. But first, I'm going to give my take on the current situation, and then we're going to go straight to Ms. Motes. So, a couple Sunday nights back, the Philadelphia Eagles played the Seattle Seahawks, but a subterranean battle had already started before kickoff. For the first time this season, Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles did not raise his fist during the playing of the National Anthem. On the other side, the entire Seahawks defensive line, along with offensive lineman Dwayne Brown, sat down. This optical standoff symbolizes a much bigger story about splits in this historic movement of NFL players for racial justice. NFL owners have, to much fanfare, offered to donate $89 million to, quote, aid causes important to the African-American community, end quote. In return, although this is not explicit, they expect players who have been protesting racial inequality during the anthem to shut up and play. Instead of being received as a victory, this offer has caused very public divisions among these activist athletes. Some are describing this offer as a vindication and want to take the money. Others are rejecting the offer as a farce and splitting from the players' coalition that has been negotiating with ownership. To understand why these splits have ripped into the open, it's best to start with the wisdom of a radical Polish woman killed almost a century ago. Seriously, bear with me. In 1905, an iconic socialist named Rosa Luxemburg wrote the following. People who pronounce themselves in favor of the method of legislative reform in place and in contradistinction to the conquest of political power and social revolution do not really choose a more tranquil, calmer, and slower road to the same goal, but a different goal, end quote. Okay, maybe we're not talking about the conquest of political power and social revolution here, but we are speaking about two factions of NFL players that have different strategies, tactics, and politics in the fight against racism and therefore different goals. For months, those differences have been papered over, and those days are done. On one side is the Players' Coalition led by Malcolm Jenkins. Jenkins has been attempting to address criminal justice reform through a very specific strategy, by meeting with law enforcement, doing ride-alongs with police, endorsing small legislation in Congress, and taking photos in D.C. with Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. And after speaking to Ryan about criminal justice issues, Ryan tweeted their photo with this caption, That moment when half of your fantasy football team shows up at your workplace, end quote. Wow, he was really taking Malcolm Jenkins seriously. Uh, So this is the Players Coalition strategy for change. 
On the other side, there are those like San Francisco 49er Eric Reed, Seahawk Michael Bennett, Miami Dolphins Kenny Stills and Michael Thomas, players inspired to act by Colin Kaepernick's use of the anthem as a space to protest racism and police violence. They see change coming from a willingness to organize outside the official corridors of power and look to support grassroots political action agitating for change. They don't want to sit down with Paul Ryan and hear about his fantasy football team. They want to pressure him. It's a disagreement about where change actually comes from, whether it is handed down from above or achieved from below. It's the difference between calling for peace and calling for justice. I spoke about these political and strategic differences several months ago to a well-known activist athlete in the NBA, and he shrugged it off, saying, they are just taking different paths to the same goal. But now it's plain to see that as Luxembourg laid out, these are not different paths to the same goal, but different paths to altogether different goals. Malcolm Jenkins is now saying mission accomplished on protests during the anthem, telling the world that he will no longer raise his fist during the anthem because he has been encouraged by the NFL's efforts. Yet this deal has also caused Reed, Thomas, and Russell Okung to publicly leave the Players' Coalition, a coalition, by the way, that Michael Bennett was never a part of. Reed has gone public to say that behind the scenes, he was told by the Players' Coalition that he needed to stop protesting if they were going to get any money from the league. And he has described the offer from owners as a charade and a publicity stunt. Another player who left the Players' Coalition, Okung, called it a farce. Reed was also upset that Jenkins negotiated this without input from other players and particularly Kaepernick himself. Now a look at where this $89 million is actually going tells us a great deal about the political differences between these factions of players, as well as whether we should see this payout as a victorious concession extracted from very conservative billionaires or a farce. First, while $89 million sounds like a big number, it is stretched out over a number of years and it works out to roughly $250,000 per year per owner, or almost half the minimum salary for the worst place kicker in the National Football League. This money is also not going to just be handed over to players to distribute as they see fit. These NFL owners, who, let's remember, are 30 white billionaires and one South Asian billionaire, will have decisive say over where their funds flow. 25% would go to the United Negro College Fund, which, in addition to having nothing to do with police brutality, absolutely sounds like the first organization Jerry Jones would think of when it comes to any issue involving black people. Another 25% would go to the Dream Corps, a well-funded, high-profile organization started by CNN host Van Jones. And then 50% goes to the Players Coalition of Malcolm Jenkins, but they have been instructed to filter this money through something called the Hopewell Fund. As Diana Moskovitz of Deadspin unpacked, the Hopewell Fund is a Byzantine nonprofit run by a former Clinton administration official that has no record of doing anything to fight racial inequality whatsoever. Moskovitz concludes the following, quote, This is what you get when you try to do business with the NFL. The NFL was always going to try and co-opt this. It was only a question of exactly when and how and for what final amount, end quote. Look, Malcolm Jenkins is correct that the NFL aims to build a bigger and better platform, yet it's a bigger and better platform for the issues important to Malcolm Jenkins and the Players Coalition. It actually looks even worse when you contrast this largesse being handed to the Hopewell Fund with where Kaepernick has given his money over the last year. As listed on his website, he's paid a million dollars to direct service organizations like Asada's Daughters, the Coalition for the Homeless, the Black Youth Project 100, United We Dream, and 100 Suits for 100 Men, which provides clothes for people who are formerly incarcerated and now looking for work. He has aided cash-strapped grassroots organizations working on the front lines to actually resist oppression and police violence. These speak to the different goals of the Eric Reed faction of players. They want to keep the spotlight on police violence, social justice, and aid organizations that help people navigate oppression. It's the difference between philanthropy and activism. Now, it's not surprising at all that the first public signs of tension between Malcolm Jenkins and Eric Reed was Jenkins not wanting Kaepernick at the negotiating table with NFL owners last month. In contrast, 
Michael Bennett did not want any negotiations at all until Colin Kaepernick had been granted at least a legitimate tryout with an NFL team. Now, at the time, it was confusing why Jenkins didn't want Kaepernick in these meetings, given that Kaepernick sparked all of this. But now it's clear Jenkins wouldn't sit on the same side of the table as Colin Kaepernick because he has a different destination in mind for this struggle. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's actually healthy that this is now out in the open. We have two paths, two roads, and two ideas about where change comes from. Malcolm Jenkins is betting on change coming from the powers that be. Colin Kaepernick and those around him are betting on the power we have. Whatever one's personal opinion is about this, it's far better to be honest about that than pretend otherwise. And now, on the line, we have Tamisha Motes, who has her own perspective, and it is absolutely blistering about everything that has happened with the Players Coalition and this movement. Now, Tamisha Motes, if you could just say for my audience who you are and what your connection is to the National Football League, as well as what you're doing for work right now, and your intimate connection to the issues of police brutality. Hi, um, my name is Tamisha Motes, and um, I'm a wife of former running back for the Philadelphia Eagles and Houston Texans, Ryan Motes, and um, I basically have a connection to the anthem protest because um, in 2009, my husband and I were involved in um, a situation in, da- in Plano with a Dallas police officer where we um, were stopped and kind of held at gunpoint trying to get inside the hospital where my mom had been for three weeks. Um, we had just left and we were trying to, we had got a call back. We just left late that Tuesday night to run home and shower, had just gotten a call back that that we needed to come back to the hospital because they didn't think she was going to make it through the night. Um, we arrived and we had a police officer pull a gun on us and held my husband and my grandfather outside the emergency room um, for some for some very minor and um, just kind of wouldn't listen to the nurses or anyone from the, the hospital staff to, you know, let them go up. And unfortunately I had to make some tough decisions by myself that night and, um, my husband and my grandfather kind of missed that opportunity to say goodbye. So, so I've been working in the background since 2009, actually. I've worked with several departments here in Dallas um, and several counties around Dallas, just, you know, meeting with them, talking about training, sensitivity training, some other things that they do. Um, Dallas County at that time, they kind of implemented a few things because of our situation. So, Brian and myself, we've been boots on the ground since 2009. I've actually tried to reach out to the officer involved in my case. Um, over the years, him and I have been connected. Um, I have not yet gotten him to agree to publicly come out and let's work together because I think that will be more effective. But I've been working on this for a very long time. With everything that's going on in our country, um, I feel like it's, it's important. And so when Colin decided to take a knee, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the time. This is perfect. Everyone's paying attention, and regardless to if you think it was the appropriate way to do it, you have to admit it got everyone's attention, and it was like, these are important issues, let's talk about it. And so um, my job right now, I work for the National Basketball League Association. So basically, I work for our development league here in Texas, which um, is called the G League, and we're the Texas Legends. Um, I do business development, but but I also get a chance to see kind of the inner workings of basketball and um and my, my advanced degree is from University of Miami in sports administration. My focus and my expertise is actually on ethics in sports, which focuses more on hiring practices. But in my research, I found something interesting that deals with the psychology of football players as opposed to basketball players. And I believe, from my research, what, what I've learned is that the reason that football players are not as successful in their own sports even during their sport and after as basketball players is because they don't have a brotherhood. They don't support one another. And we can see this in this um, situation that's going on right now with the Players Coalition. Now, before you speak about what's happening in the Players Coalition, I was hoping you could give a little bit of a narrative as far as the arc as you've seen it in the last year, starting with August 2016 when Colin Kaepernick takes his knee. You've seen it this year with the creation of the Players Coalition, led by Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden as well. Can you speak a little bit about the arc of the movement 
as you see it, where it started, and where it currently is. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, we all started paying attention in the beginning of September of 2016. You know, Colin initially started with the protest by sitting in August, and a lot of people didn't even notice that he was sitting, and it started to get, get attention right at the end of August. And then I believe he took the knee after speaking with Nate Boyer and that whole situation mm-hmm. on September 1st. And then after that, we saw, um, I believe it was Lane from the Seattle Seahawks that later that day take a knee. And then we saw the soccer player take, the woman soccer player take a knee on the fourth. And then it just kind of trickled down and it started this, you know, ripple effect. And then we started seeing high school students and college students in sports, um, you know, with the soccer player, not necessarily just, you know, African-Americans, but also, you know, just representing people saying, hey, you know, minorities are having these situations. We're watching the news. We're seeing this police situation continue to spiral out of control. And there are a lot of people who are concerned. And it started this great divide, you know, this, well, I support the blue and I support this. And I think it's disrespectful to this, and you know, but, but I think like everyone just really kind of needs to just calm down and really find out a way because both sides need to work together. But but I kind of want to continue, if I may. I sometimes get out, so I apologize. But then, um, you know, all the players started doing different methods of protest, whether it was raising the fist or, you know. And then, and I will say this, and this is going to be very controversial, but I'm going to, you know, these are some things that I want to say that I never really say because I try to be politically correct, especially with my husband being a former NFL player and with me working in the NBA. So this is what I would like to say. On September the 11th, the Seattle Seahawks, led in their movement by Doug Baldwin, who I call Mr. Flip-Flop, by the way, decided that they would take a stand, is what they said, take a stand um, for, you know, their armed services and their policemen, and they are also taking the stand for social justice. Now, the way that I view that is that, to me, is almost a counter-protest to call it, because I don't understand how you can take a stand for the same thing that your brother is taking a knee for. You can't really do the direct opposite thing, if that makes sense, and say that it is in support of your brother, and then you bring the service into it. And I understand that it was September 11th. I understand the reason that, you know, the anniversary of the Twin Towers and everything. I get that. But then at the same time, it's almost like you started the counter-protest by standing. And so it does not, to me, look right, or it seems like you're trying to keep one foot in the door because you're not making a full commitment. I feel like either you kneel or you don't, and that's okay. Like, there are plenty of players who don't kneel. You don't have to be forced to kneel. But if you're going to support the movement, then you kind of have to bring in the person who is who started the movement. And I think that it started on September 11th, and it's continued today with the same small group of players who have put themselves ahead of the protest, and they have not brought in their brother, Colin Kaepernick, who started this initiative, who, by the way, I, I would have loved to work with Colin, but I don't know Colin. My husband played several years ago. We don't know any players on San Francisco team. If I had his phone number, if I had ways to contact him, I would definitely call him, hey. Colin, I'm so glad you did this. This is what Brian and I have been working on since 2009. Let us know what we can do. Yeah. And instead, his brother, his NFL brothers, who have his cell phone number, who know him very well, they decided to stand together. And in my opinion, they started this whole push against the military because that opened the door for people to say, if you don't stand you're going against the military, you're going against whatever, you know, and that kind of, to me, of course there were some people standing before, but to me that opened the floodgate. And then the media, for just a quick second, started saying the Seattle Seahawks, they are the upstanding team. And that's what's wrong with the psychology of the football players. They believe that there can only be one or two. And that's just everything. They, they've been groomed to believe they can only be one or two superstars. There can only be one or two executives. There can only be one or two coaches. And they do whatever they can to pull one another down so that they can be that player who gets the credibility from the league Mm -hmm. to make it, even in their transition out of football. It seems to me also that Malcolm Jenkins, Anquan Bolden, that they actually have different goals than yourself. 
and Kaepernick, Michael Bennett, Eric Reed. I want to know if you agree with that and if you could speak a little bit about what you think the goals of Jenkins and his group are and how they differ from this other group. I believe that, okay, first of all, Anquan Bolton, I just want to talk about him for a second. His his dealing in this is a little bit closely related to what there's a little bit closer to Malcolm Jenkins. I believe he had like a cousin or somebody who was killed by, you know, like a um, police officer who wasn't, you know, who was in plain clothes or something like that. So his some of his dealings have to do a little bit more have to be a little bit more closely related to what, um, you know, we have going on. And and, and Bolton, I believe, I, I really like him. Let me say this because he is a he is always he has a foundation that's remarkable, and he's always kind of quietly been a little bit behind the scenes, you know, and always been working. And um, so I know that about him. So I will say this about Anquan Bowden. I really think that he's a good guy. Um, he's not as upfront in this as Malcolm Jenkins is, but he's definitely one of the founders of the COA Coalition. And I think he started off with the right intentions other than not bringing Colin to the table in this whole thing and, you know, and kind of going from there. Now, Malcolm Jenkins, on the other hand, now, you know, your grandmother told you don't say anything if you can't, if, it's, if you don't have anything nice to say. But I bet your grandmother also said, tell the truth, then shame the devil. Exactly. Exactly. So with Malcolm Jenkins, you know, um, great athlete. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, he's, he's also been involved. Now, the thing with Malcolm Jenkins being out front with the Players Coalition, which is okay, because sometimes, you know, some people have to take the lead. Um, however... At some point, this kind of went away from Colin Kaepernick, who made the ultimate sacrifice and, you know, essentially lost his opportunity in sports. Um, I just feel like at some point, Colin should have been brought in to work with the guys of the Players Coalition. This should have been an effort together. And those guys should have backed him and gone to the league and said, hey, you know, Colin does not deserve this. Let's work together. Let's, we can fix this. And you know something? I want to say this. I applaud the NFL, and a lot of people don't. I applaud the NFL. I know those people in the executive office. I've met Roger Goodell. I love Roger Goodell. I know people say, you know what? Goodell, he does this. He flip-flops. He's not fair. He Roger Goodell is the type of person, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He wants to do what's right. His job is difficult. He has 30, how many teams? 32 powerful bosses that he works for and he has to do what they what they say but he is he wants to do what's right and he really truly you know wants the players to be like seen as more professional and well-rounded and and i and i'm telling you this because i've spoken to him i know the groups of people that he has around him and i know what their objectives are i spoke to um some executives at the lee office office before they met with the players. This is when I did Anderson Cooper when I was in New York. I went by, and I spoke to some people there. I told them some things that I have been doing, and then I tried to bring in some of the wives and kind of go around and continue my discussions with the police, you know, departments, and also, most more importantly, the, the um, district attorneys because they, you know, decide ultimately if charges will be brought against these officers, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, I'm sorry, attorney generals. So um, basically, um, I spoke with them, and they said, you know, Tanisha, you know, great job. We really love what you're doing, and we want to support you. But first, we have to get the guys in here because we want to figure out what they want, and we want to leave this. We want to help them. And this divided the, even the owners because the league, the executive office said, we're going to listen, and we're going to help these guys. And the, some of the owners were not happy about this. They did not want the players to have this much leeway. So I commend the league for saying, let's bring the guys in. They brought the guys in, and they listened to them, and then they, they allowed them to take the wheel and tell them what they wanted them to do. And, you know, to me, that was like, this has been such a waste of an amazing opportunity. For the first time, you have the league say, tell us what. Tell us what you want. This is when they could have said, well, first of all, we want Colin Kaepernick here because he is the person mm -hmm. who has made the ultimate sacrifice. So is it okay, you know, give us the yay or the nay to let's schedule this thing. Let's talk to Colin. Let's bring him in. 
I know that the relationship right now is not great, but let's start there, and then let's work. Let's work. Let's start back. Let's start back here. Let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about the issues that are most important to us as a group right now, and then let's go from there. And let's make sure we involve all of our guys, all of our teams, and our players' association. And let's take, let's make the best of this opportunity. But see, no, with NFL players, we go back to this psychology of one person out front. And then it becomes mm. Malcolm Jenkins. And then it becomes, I'm going to meet with Roger Goodell, and I'm going to do this. And then we are, we, meaning me and Antoine and whoever we select to go to this certain meeting and that certain call on that certain call or whatever. And then it becomes now, Malcolm pushing for criminal justice reform, and he's talking about his brother, who he, I think it's his brother, who the weed charges and starting life over. It is an issue. I get it. These guys are getting some harsh sentences, you know, sometimes worse than people who are actually killing someone. So I get it. Criminal reform, it's definitely something that we all know needs to happen. So when you go to legislation and to legislators and you talk to politicians, Oh, they're going to come out. I look at TV. I'm looking at TV. Oh, you know, he's walking around. They're taking pictures. This Eagles player. They want to come out. They want to say hands. They want to say, we work with Malcolm Jenkins on these issues. Because guess what? They are politicking. I'm telling you firsthand because I know I've tried to get with these people. They are not that easy. They will run from you to the end of the world because they don't want to make a commitment because it might bite them in the butt come election time. When you are grinning and smiling and taking pictures and photo ops for politicians, that lets me know that it's watered down. Because when I met with um, the attorney general in Dallas, um, and I met with and I talked to the chief of police, I had Rebecca Lopez there with me from Channel Eight News. They were so nervous that they would they were, no video recording, no no tell no no nothing. This had to be private. I mean, I had to beg her to allow Rebecca to come in the room halfway through the meeting because they were like, you know, they are that afraid of something happening to where it controls, like, how they will be viewed. So it's not a pleasant. When you're talking about accountability and transparency with police department and working together with the community and how to fix these problems and you actually are talking about particular cases that have happened, this is a very uncomfortable situation. Now, I hear what you're saying about the psychology of players feeling like someone needs to be in the front. And I've definitely heard that from other players as well when they speak about how difficult it is to organize themselves because everybody kind of wants to be the alpha and people have a tough time organizing collectively. But have you also seen, though, like where this $89 million offer, where the money is going and how it's not going to grassroots organizations – that players like Colin have given money to, but it's going to this weird nonprofit that's going to be facilitated by the Players Coalition of Malcolm Jenkins. You've probably also seen that Russell Okung called the whole thing a farce. I mean, what does this tell us that Malcolm Jenkins is saying he's not going to protest anymore because money is going to something that's going to be controlled by him and then facilitated through some nonprofit that has zero record of working on these issues. What does that tell us, and what does that tell us about NFL owners? It tells us that they probably want this to go away, but I'm going to tell you this, though, and I'm telling you this because I know because I spoke to the league office a few days before they met with them. They control the narrative. So whatever happens, I, I listen to people say, you know, the player, you know, the NFL, this is hush money. The NFL gave them this money, and, they're trying to get them to hush, blah, blah, blah. The NFL gave them the ring. They messed this up, Dave. They messed this up. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. The NFL gave them the leeway, and I know this because I was there. I talked to them, and I spoke to them. They were, they were wanting to talk to them, and they said to the players, what is it? Tell us what to do. These guys, this group of guys, they determine all of this. So the, the owners, the, the league, office, they are simply doing what they've agreed to do, which is do something to help the players. And they don't necessarily know. Come on, we're talking about rich white guys. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't care. I mean, let me, let me fix that. They don't, they don't their priority is not necessarily the oppression of minorities because they are not minorities. So 
we need the minorities who can get the ear of the nation to come to the table and tell these rich white guys, hey, this is what our problems are. We need you to pay attention to them, and this is how we want this to to work out. It was never organized well. And I saw money was going to the United Negro College Fund and some things like that. Great. You know the Negro College Fund? Wonderful. I support that, but that is not what this initiative was about. We'll be right back. But first, a very important quick word for Edge of Sports listeners. Yo, we are starting a Patreon page. All you got to do is go to www.patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod, where you can become someone who helps keep this podcast going. We've got different categories by which you can give to help us keep on doing the work that we're doing. Look, I never thought I would need a Patreon page, but the fact of the matter is this. That intersection of sports and politics has just exploded in the last year, and we want to do more. We want to take the show on the road. We want to make more merch. We want to do more stuff. And to do that, we need your help. And depending on how much you give, uh, we're going to be giving something back. I mean, whether it is a signed book I've written, whether it is a bi-monthly mailbag, whether it is a t-shirt, all of these things are available, and we're doing it because we want to support the continuance of this podcast. Look, this podcast will always be free. You don't got to give anything, but if you appreciate the content we give, please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. And now, back to the podcast. You know, part of me has this image of certain owners like Houston Texans owner Bob McNair. I mean, it's almost like they think, let's see, organization, black people, United Negro College Fund. It's almost like a parody of what they would give money to. It is, Dave, because they don't know. It's just like what you said. They don't know. But I'm going to tell you, these are people that I know. I know the McNairs. I, first of all, I love Mrs. McNair. First of all, I love her. Sweetie to me. But I, told, I will tell you this. My husband prayed for them. I've had time. I've spent time with them. I've been to Christmas parties where I spoke to Mr. McNair because he knows about the small town in Louisiana that I'm from. And, and you know, him and I sat with his wife and we did Christmas carols together. And we, I, you know, and I grew very close to her. And I will tell you this. They don't know. They just don't know. And, I, and I'm not. I'm not going to say that they're racist. It's just that they don't know because they don't really, they don't, they're not harassed when they drive out to go out of town or or when they go to restaurants. Mm -hmm. If they're out enjoying themselves, they're not the ones being pulled over by police. They're not the ones whose kids are going to prison for long sentences for, you know, very minor offenses. I mean, so they don't know. That's why it's up to our guys, but, our guys are so afraid to talk, you know, and the reason why is because of those non-guaranteed contracts. They mm-hmm. feel like they hold them. They, that, that non-guaranteed contract is very powerful. They have no voice. So the guys try to do whatever they think the owners want them to do. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, and I, I agree that, yeah, they're going to say, just like Bob McNair, his family, so many other owners are going to say, college. United Negro College Fund. There you go. This is what we've seen. We know they do the telethon. They are, you know, they've been around for a long time. This is where we're going to give our money. And it, it, but it's up to Malcolm Jenkins, if he's going to be the leader, to organize this thing and say, this, these are the issues, and this is how we're going to go about doing it because we want real change. We don't want to mm-hmm. give some money to some groups. We want real change. That's what Colin says, real change. He said in the initial, I think, interview, he said, you know, I can't stand for a flag that oppresses people of color. He said, I Mm -hmm. think people are getting killed in the streets. And he said, then we have these guys going on paid leave. We need real change. And when he said that, that ignited the nation. And that made people, celebrities, come out of the woodwork in support of Colleen. He had J.C. supporting him. He had all these other artists and people supporting him because they know Jay-Z and Beyonce have been, they have been on the front lines of this whole thing with, like, all the kids and the young black guys getting killed by police officers. They've been involved in this for a long time. So everyone's been looking for that leader to come out and just make a, you know, and that leader was Colin. It wasn't Malcolm Jenkins. So even though Malcolm Jenkins may have had good intentions, he needed to, A, bring Colin to the table. B, they needed to organize this completely with Eric Lee, Colin, Eric to me has been probably the 
most supportive person of Colin Kaepernick's protest from day one. He actually took a knee. You're talking about guys who have never even taken a knee. Welcome to you not taking a knee. Don't give me that fist in the air crap. You know taking a knee is what makes everybody antsy. You know, Gus Baldwin never protested one time other than when the owners protested and everybody protested against Trump. They had nothing to do with social justice. That was them sticking together because the president of the United States said something that was against the league, you know? And so that that's what it was. So I, for people who have never really been a real part of the initiative, who say that we've done lunch and learns and we and you know and I listen to this lunch and learn and I said what are you learning because I'm thinking they need the learning they need the training they are the ones who need to you know we we don't need you to tell us what it is that you do wrong we need to know how you're gonna fix it lunch mm-hmm. and learns they're doing you know right I think Seattle players do ride alone and they you know and they go around and do all these things that are just kind of like watered down little something or another for the media, and it's not anything that's making any real change. And I think that the guys, Eric Reed, Colin Kaepernick, those guys who kind of were the start of this initiative, they are wanting real change, and that's just all it boils down to. So to me, Malcolm Jenkins took this, hijacked it, became a spokesperson. Him, I, I would say Antoine Bowles because he's part – he's a – one of the founders of the coalition, but he seems to be a little more in the background. To me, I every time I turn on my TV, I see Doug Baldwin, and I see, you know, Malcolm Jenkins. And I see Malcolm Jenkins, in, you know, with all these politicians and everything, but I don't see Malcolm Jenkins, you know, pressuring them and, and saying, yeah. make, make a verbal commitment. Tell us right now that – so because, it's, because people don't understand how important that is. If you're a politician – that makes a verbal commitment and says, you know what, we want our citizens to be together with the police officers, but at the same time, and we want you to back the blue, but we also want them to be held accountable. If we have somebody who blatantly kills an innocent person, then I'm going to hold them accountable. And guess what? If something happens in that city, they're going to look at that person and say, hey, you said you were going to do the right thing. You know? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so that's what people want. People don't want this water down. We do ride along. Anybody can do a ride along. We do ride along. We do lunch and learn. We just we just waste a lot of time and money. That's a waste of time and money. Mm-hmm. Now, Matthew Jenkins is throwing his hundred million dollars or however much, and and it's just it's not going to be worth anything. It's just you know, and it's a, and then they go and they say we're not going to protest anymore. Well, what about Colin? If you are right. Anymore, well, what about Colin? He's just, he's lost everything. So, do you agree with people like Michael Bennett, for example, who says, "Why are we even negotiating in good faith with owners if Colin still doesn't have a team?" Because doesn't it show that they're not acting in good faith if they're not even willing to take that step? Yeah, I, and I get that, but at the same time, you know, I work in in sports administration, and so um, I've thought about it from both sides, and I. <laughs> And I can imagine that a lot of the owners are thinking about this, like, I, I want to bring Colin in, but if I bring Colin in, like, what is that going to do to my fan base, you know? Mm-hmm. That's another that's another issue. But I think that if they that's, – that's why it's, that's why it was important for Colin to be a part of this, because I believe – I mean, I think Colin, for the most part, I've never met him, but he seems like a very nice guy. I really believe that if they would have bought him in – from the beginning of this whole thing, and then, like, sat with him and talked to him, and, and they developed something accordingly, I really don't think that. I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but I really, just, I really think that if they, it was something that they agreed to as a whole and that everybody thought would be great for the better good of the sport. And, you know, I think that he would have stood, and then it would have been a great way to say, hey, we're supporting – for me, I thought the best way to approach this thing was to bring Colin in and say, okay, guys, we all know we need these groups. We need the police officers. We need our, you know, our military guys. So we don't want to be disrespectful. But we know that for you guys, you, our league is comprised mostly of African-American men. We know that there are so many issues in our country. We are seeing things happen, especially with the police. Let's work together. Let's get with all 32 cities. Let's work together with our police groups. Let's come up with some plans and some initiatives. Let's do some PSAs. Let's let's have some things in, um, with our police officers. I always say this because I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm bashing police. 
I live in Frisco, Texas. Frisco has the best police force that I have seen. Hands down, kudos. I would say come here and learn from them. They are amazing. And I'm going to tell you why, because they are out in the community. I used to work for Baylor um, Hospital. They are at the health stands. They are at the clinic. They are at Freedom Festival Day. They are they are everywhere. They are engaging people. They know you. They may not know your name. They know you. When I drive down to work, if you know the officers, they know me on my regular route. They say hello. My mom, before she passed away, she she made our alarm go off in the house. <laughs> I I want to tell mm-hmm. you this. this is funny. I have to tell you this. When um, Ron and I went out of town once, my mom would come to our house. And um, she would come to feed my cat and just watch, take care of him while we were away. This was before we had four children. But anyway, she, our, I would tell you this isn't our passcode anymore, but our verbal authorization was always Barry. And the reason is because my husband is like, he loves Barry Sanders, right? So um, so my my mom, she would come to our house and she would always make the alarm go off. And I, and I told her for a while, we're going to be away, we're going on a cruise, my phone won't work. Please remember the verbal authorization in case you make the alarm go off. It's Barry. Remember, you know Barry Sanders, the running back, who Ryan likes. So anyway, she came to my house, made the alarm go off. The alarm went off, and she said, oh, the people called. She said, um, the password, it's a football player. Hold on. It's the Sanders, Dion. <laughs> so, so she said Dion, and the police came. And anyway, the officers were so nice to her. And the one officer said, you know, I patrol this neighborhood all the time, and I see your daughter, and you guys really favor. You know, and that's, they're involved like that. They start, they get to know you. They are out in the community. They're always being talking to kids at all the events, whatever they're ha- having. And some places just need that. They just need that interaction from police officers because some kids are just terrified of police officers. I mean, in all communities, in the black community, kids are terrified of the police. So when they grow up, it's already like the police are bad people instead of the police are good people. So I just think that they need to see the human side, but then at the same time, we need the police departments to be held accountable for when they make really bad mistakes or judgment calls. And so I believe that if they would have bought Colin in and then they could have talked about these issues, and I believe that it could have gone a whole different way. But like I said, the psychology of the football player makes it to where there can only be one or two. That's what they think. They limit themselves. And then in the process, they they mess things up, just like the CBA. I mean, it's a continued cycle. And somebody has to end it. But, you know, I could, I could talk all day about those issues. I think this is the toughest question I could ask you. I mean, do you think that these two factions – you could call it the Eric Reed faction and the Malcolm Jenkins faction. Do you think they should come together under one umbrella and work together? Or do you think it's actually healthier now that it's open for the whole public and that we have this split? That there are two different destinations, goals, strategies, tactics, and that's just life. And people can figure out what agenda makes more sense. Well, I think that all of the issues that they all are presenting are very important. Let me just say that. I think um, police reform is clearly one of the biggest ones, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people support this initiative, but also criminal justice reform, which is what I believe, the Clean Slate Act and things like that is what Malcolm kind of focusing on. But I think they need to come together. But but I, I will tell you this, Dave. I have a great mentor here in Dallas. His name is John Wooten. Um, I talk to Mr. Wooten all the time. Oh, sure. Sure, um, of course. You know, Legend. We're, yes, he, we're very close. Mr. Wooten and I are very close. And um, I think that they should Seek. And this is when I talk. This is why I talk about the brotherhood of NFL. They have these brilliant minds around. I mean, I talk to him. I talk to Pettis Norman. You know, I know Roger Saubach. I, you know, Bob Lilly, who is just a sweetheart. Oh my God, Bob Lilly is a sweetheart. But Mr. Wooten has been like a mentor for me in my career and trying to break into this sports world. And they have these guys, these legends, who are you know, retired, who know all about this. Mr. Wooten, you know, he he stood up so many times. You know, I remember, I think, like, the story goes something like that when he was playing, the team was invited to a country club, but the, but the African-American players were not, and he stood up against that, you know. And, um, I mean, it's just like so many, so many people who've been there and done that. 
he stood with Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, with his deal. I mean, you have these people. They should seek those guys out. I would, I would love, you know, I'm just, you know, sometimes I get reduced down to just a player's wife. So many times when I go on shows like Anderson Cooper or some other places, you know, they have the players. Most people want to hear from them. They don't really know that I have a sports background. They don't know that I was an athlete. They don't know that my, my education is in sports management. They don't know that I work with, um, with, I work with NBA executives all the time. I work with the best group. I, Donnie Nelson is my boss. He's the GM and the president for the Mavs. I talked, to, I just had an hour long meeting with Donnie um, about some things that we're working on. And, you know, and I, and I seek counsel from these people. And I, and I talk to these people, and, I, and Mr. Wooten's been my mentor for several years now, and, um, and I don't get that credit, you know, because, I, because I'm going to always be Ryan Moat's wife. I'm just a wife, you know, and the wives, we're not that. We're, we just go shopping. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not smart. We're not intelligent. We're not, in, we're not in sports. We don't understand the interworkings of sports. They don't know that my relative is Fred Dean, Hall of Famer. They don't know that I grew up around Carmelo, and I'm from Reston, Louisiana. They don't know that I'm friends with Carl's daughter, uh, Cheryl, who played the WNBA. They don't know those are my close people. They don't know anything about me. They just know that I'm a wife of a football player. And sometimes I get reduced down to that. But if I could be around Malcolm Jenkins and Colin Kaepernick, I would say to them, guys, please come together first before you go talk to the commissioner, before you decide where to allocate these funds, come to the table, lay out probably, let's start with the three most important issues. I know policing is one. Criminal justice reform can be one. And let's talk about these three, and then let's kind of build out a organized plan, and let's go to all the teams and say, hey, can we all get behind this? And then we're going to allocate these funds, and we're going to do this, and we're going to work together. And this is going to be around love. But most importantly, we're going to bring in these legends. We're going to bring in some heavy hitters. We're going to bring in our guys, John Wooten, and some of our people who work with the league and who've gone through this. You know, he's, you know, Mr. Wooten's chair of the French Caller. Like, let's talk to these guys. They know this. They've been here. They've done this in a time where it was a lot more difficult than it is today. Let's bring them in. Let's talk to them. Let's tell them what we're concerned about, and let's listen to what they have to say. And then let's get those guys on our side, and together let's get this thing moving because that's what I'm saying. They never come together. And in the NBA, and, I, and you know, I will say this, they come together. The players run their players' association. They worry about they, – they are concerned about their return players. They're concerned about their, they're concerned about their development league players, and that's why – they're fighting for that's why they fought not, you know, health care for their retired players for a lifetime. That's why they're development league players, they make sure they're taken care of. That's why, you know, and see the NFL has got to take a page. They have to take a page from the NBA in order to learn how to get ahead and still have be respected by their fans because the fans are the reason why they even have a job. So be respectful to people, but come together and let your voices be heard. Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to do something good. And I believe that if you truly want to do something good and you can take, you can take it, the selfishness out of it, you may not be the person in the limelight. If Colin comes on board, then Colin is the person in the limelight. But that's because it's his initiative. And that's okay. Martin Luther King had a lot of people on his team. And he was the voice, and they were okay with that. They knew that their places, but they but he knew that they were important. So we we need that from the NFL. We need to know how to work together to advance. This cannot be a one man show. One guy over here doing the clean slate act. One guy over here doing police. One guy over here doing grassroots organizations. It, it can't be that way. It's got to be unified. One last question, and I ask this of every guest, so I have to ask this of you. What music are you listening to these days to either get you going if you need to work out or if it put you in a smooth frame of mind when you need to chill out? So that's your choice, music that you listen to if you're working out or chilling out. You know, that's so hard because I have four children. I have four children in the last six years, and I work, and I just, I literally do not even listen to music. I do go to the gym, okay? So, okay, I like Kendrick Lamar. I like him. 
but I but I'm not really that big into rap music, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. I actually like jazz. I like um so like if I'm you know, if I'm working out or trying to, you know, get you know, get myself going. I do like Kendrick Lamar, I will say that. He's like my favorite rapper right now. So, um, yeah, I would say him. We'll go with Kendrick. I beat your ass. Who bought you that? You stole it. I beat your ass if you say that game is broken. I beat your ass if you jump on my couch. I beat your ass if you walk in this house with tears in your eyes running from poor poor apprentice. My husband loves country music, so um, he loves, like, Rascal Flatts and, you know, all those people. So we, we definitely um, listen to a lot of country music around here. He, he loves, like, you know, he likes all types of music. Ryan's just a music buff. He loves well, please give him and your whole family my best. Tamisha Motes, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Fear losing creativity, I'm talking fear. Fear missing out on you and me, I'm talking fear. Fear losing loyalty for pride, because my DNA won't let me involve in the light of God, I'm talking fear. Fear that my humbleness is gone, I'm talking fear. Fear that love ain't living here no more, I'm talking fear. Now it's time for the part of the show that we call the Just Stand Up Award. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. People in the sports world who we want to hear more from and people in the sports world who, from our perspective, need to take a seat. Just Stand Up Award, we got three quick ones this week. The first one is Mike Mitchell. He's a safety for the Steelers. And he absolutely ethered Roger Goodell this week. The day that Roger Goodell somehow signed a $200 million contract, dear Lord. In other words, more than twice what the NFL owners are offering to players to aid black organizations. So let's talk about this for a second. Mike Mitchell, here is what he said about Roger Goodell. In general terms, what's the best option for a player to try to play physical? Man, I don't know, man. Man, just hand us all some flags. Hand us all some flags and let us go out there and try to grab the flags off. Uh, because we're not playing football. This is not damn football. When I when I was six years old watching uh, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, um, that Sean Taylor, the, the hitters, Jack Tatum, you know that's football. This is this ain't football. You got to know what the risk is when you sign up. No one wants to be paralyzed. No one wants to have head injuries. These are all things that are negative. But let's not try to turn football into a dangerous, uh, barbaric game. This is how I've changed my family legacy. Uh, before I got drafted, I had $368 to my bank account. That is far from the case today. I've changed my family legacy by this beautiful game of football uh, for forever. So let's not try to turn it into a, some evil, dirty game. It's football. It's no different than UFC fighting. This is a combat, contact sport. Uh, there's going to be injuries. Um, that's just what it is. But if you, if you don't want to get injured, then don't come out here. This is for real men. This is a man's game. Ray Lewis said that a couple years ago. I stand by that. It's a man's game. If you want to be a little kid, you don't want to get your ass hit, then don't come out here because this is for grown men. Straight like that. Can you contrast how you guys approach a game with the Ravens as opposed to the Bengals? Is there more of a mutual respect, perhaps, between you and the Baltimore players? Man, there's respect out there. If you if you cross those lines, I have respect for you. Um, you, I, I respect that you're a competitor. I respect that you have some type of toughness about you. I respect that you're a talented, world-class athlete. Um, you know, at the end of the day, man, especially, like, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to George after the game because he is one of my good friends. That's why I felt like I had to tweet and try to defend him because uh, I think it's just crazy. Like, I know George. I know his fiance. Um He's not that way, but you know we are physical safeties. And think about what you ask us to do. We're always the last line of defense. We're always making bang bang plays. Like you never see us getting to line somebody up in a hole like a linebacker. We're playing full speed. He's four four. We're four 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 three speed. Like aim that. You go do that. You can't. It's just risk of playing football. If a guy, if the ball is in the air and a man jumps or a man ducks his head, how do you want me to re- readjust my body? You cannot do it. At the end of the day, this is football. If you want to see flag football, then let's take our pads off. That would make it easier for me because now I don't got to wear heavy shit. But give us flags for me to pull off because that way I know what we're playing. You know, I signed up to play full speed contact football, and we're not doing that. I feel like I got to ask a guy, hey, are you ready for me to hit you right now before I hit you? And that's crazy. I'm going to mess around and get hurt trying to protect an offensive player because he's running an over route. Damn it, your quarterback shouldn't have threw that ball messed up. That happened two years ago. That's I, I'm, I'm not joking at all. Andy Dalton threw a ball to Tyler Eifert two years ago. Tyler Eifert had to die for it. I was aiming for his gut. But if he don't die, if he don't get in the head, that's 50 grand out of my pocket, though. 
because Andy throws a bad ball. Make that make sense. And at first you're taking our money, but now, you know, I got assholes like Matt Hasselbeck calling me a dirty player and trying my character, and we've never met before. I donate more money to Cincinnati underprivileged kids than probably people on the Bengals. So don't give me that name. My nephew goes to school there, man. I take all that personally. If you don't know me, if you never had a conversation with me, don't judge us by what you see on football because football is my competitive side. You know what I'm saying? So it's just so much going on in the game right now. Yes, obviously I'm a little flustered, but, I mean, we just got to do better. We got to do better. I said it yesterday. We got to do better as players when we sign the next CBA. We got to get better leadership as who's running the league because obviously everybody from fans, owners, players are all disappointed in Roger Goodell. Um, we just, we just got to do better. We can't have a guy where you just hand out discipline on how you see fit. There needs to be a set guideline of how we do what we do. There's no way I see two people get post-play penalties, post-play infractions that don't have to do with football, and you get the same suspension as a guy that is making a football play in a football game. It's absolutely absurd. But like I said, man, it's still the world. You know, I really appreciate Mike Mitchell's frustration because this is something that's facing all NFL players, which is, what is this sport that we are watching? I mean, there are efforts by the NFL to make it quote-unquote safe, but if you're playing on that field and you're playing with people who are 240 pounds and run the 40-yard dash in 4.4 seconds, the idea that they're always going to hit players at the right angle or get some sort of $50,000, $70,000 fine, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And players do not understand how to play this game and the reason why they are confused about it is of this constant effort by the NFL to basically do what the cigarette companies have done. I mean, they're trying to sell this idea that, like a cigarette, it could be made safer with a bigger filter, or if it has lower tar, or if it's an American spirit with all natural tobacco, while ignoring the fact that no matter what you do with that cigarette, eventually it will come calling for you from a health perspective. It's the same thing with the NFL. So much of the changes in the sport have been much more about optics and public relations than the actuality of what is safe and not safe. And the people at the front lines of that, the people who a generation ago would have been lauded as heroes, like Juju Schuster-Smith, for example, for taking down Vontazi Perfect in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game from last Monday— are looked at as villains instead and are criticized across the sports media landscape. So the culture of football has not changed, but the rules of football have changed dramatically. This is a sport where Ryan Shazier, because of one very ordinary hit, may have trouble walking for the rest of his life. That's what this sport is. And denying that, not just denying that, but making the players the face of that denial as if the NFL is trying to do the right thing and doing this by reaching into the players' pockets, man, that's just wrong, and that's why you got a union. The second Just Stand Up Award to me goes to skier Lindsey Vaughn, who just said straight up that she would not go to the White House after the Winter Games if invited. And her putting it out there is very important because more white athletes need to do this because Donald Trump has shown, whether it's Greg Popovich, Chris Long, or Steve Kerr, that he doesn't respond to white athletes because he's a racist. So that puts more pressure on black athletes because they know if they speak out, they're going to incur the wrath, not just of Trump, but of his very dangerous, even if dwindling, following. And so you compare and contrast that, of course... With the idea of him going after Lindsey Vaughn, by the way, the ex-girlfriend of Tiger Woods, who Donald Trump is in some sort of billion-dollar Dubai golf course business with. So, big, just stand-up award to Lindsey Vaughn. Keep standing. The last one, number three, it actually came from a listener named Jimmy Kagura. And I want to read his email because it's powerful for his just stand-up. And this is great. He gives a little background. He said, hey, Dave, came across you a handful of years ago when you were still chopping it up with Coach. That's Coach Kevin McNutt, who I did a version of this podcast with a couple years back. So back to Jimmy. Jimmy writes, a Tinder date actually gave me your book, What's My Name, Fool? 
And since then, I've purchased all your work on Audible. Man, I, I love uh, the fact that Tinder is helping me sell some books. In any case, back to Jimmy. The Just Stand Up Award nominee is UFC heavyweight phenom Francis Ngannou. After Ngannou obliterated heavyweight legend Alistair Overeem into another dimension with a swinging left hook from hell, at the end of the interview, he took the time to bring light to slave trade in Libya. This is just an amazing quote from Ngannou. Well, now I want to get on the show. He said, I want to dedicate this victory to all my brothers in Libya who are traded as slaves. On this day, it is not very fair. I feel really bad for that. And yes, you know, that was criminal, you know. And excuse for my word, but I just want to say, fuck slavery, fuck racists, fuck racism, and claim their freedom, claim their liberty, end quote. And then Jimmy writes, stay fresh and keep grinding, Dave. Thank you for all your hard work. ass down award this week I mean it goes to someone who needs to take all the seats and that is evangelical Christian hypocrite and defender of a pedophile in Alabama Sarah Huckabee Sanders who would not confirm whether the US will participate in the winter games in South Korea she said and I quote no official decision has been made on US participation in the Winter Olympics she later walked that statement back But just the idea that the Trump administration is making these athletes sort of dangle in the wind because they're going to South Korea and their tensions with North Korea. And there are also very strong rumors that this is coming from the fact that Russia just got smacked down by the International Olympic Committee for doping. I mean, it is just all such a shit show, which I know we've come to expect from this administration. But looking at it through the lens of sports, I think is particularly effective because this is usually the easiest layup for people in politics. You take a picture with the athletes. If the athletes don't want to take a picture with you, you're gracious about it, and you cheer on your Olympians. And this administration can't even manage to do that because in their mind, we live in a nation of enemies. Unless, of course, you prey on small children. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, sit down. Take all the seats. This is only the smallest of the ways in which you have brought indignity to this world with your every breath. You heard they celebrated Hanukkah five days early? That just makes me mad on every conceivable level. Um, Especially the same week they're talking about uh, being all for Israel and moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Man, they don't care about Jews at all. They care about evangelical Christians who think end times are coming and need an undivided capital in Jerusalem. So I'm so glad that that's who they're taking cues from right now, like apocalyptic millenarians who think that the end of the world is coming and Jews, of which I am one, will either uh, convert or die. Yay! Politics in the Trump era. And now a quick word from The Nation magazine. Look, The Nation magazine has been doing indispensable journalism for 150 years. The latest issue has some amazing articles that I was able to roll through. We've got Sarah Posner on the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. It's a really an amazing piece. And there is a Me Too forum that features Jane Fonda, Bryce Covert, Katha Pollitt, Collier Meyerson, and Raina uh, Lipsitz. And it is really good. I read it. And it's a remarkable collection of people you've heard of, like Jane Fonda, and terrific journalists like Collier Meyerson, who you should know. So please, support The Nation magazine. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And remember, when you support The Nation, you support the continual existence of this podcast.
And now the part of the show that we call Kaepernick Watch, where we talk about the latest comings and goings with Colin Kaepernick. You know, something that got a lot of news last week was Colin Kaepernick getting the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award from Sports Illustrated at their honors event. And the fact that in a surprise to everybody in the audience, he was presented the award by Beyonce. Now, one of the things that you might not have heard about was that earlier that very evening, Colin Kaepernick was in a different part of New York City accepting the Puffin Nation Institute Award for Creative Citizenship. Now, me, I, Dave Zirin got to introduce Colin at this thing. There were like 400 people there, big activist crowd. It was a beautiful event and I'm sure much better than what Sports Illustrated put together. I don't know if that's true, but it was a terrific event and hopefully next week uh, we're going to be able to play for you my intro remarks for Colin Kaepernick and then also uh, his remarks. And let me also uh, just say this. If nothing else, I now have a great conversation started with Beyonce. I can say, hey, on the same night, we both introduced Colin Kaepernick for an award. And then she'll say, security or where's my mace? Well, that's all for this week. Yo, happy holidays, everybody. But just please know that even though we will be in Hanukkah, the real Hanukkah, we will be back next week. And I can't wait. You're just not going to believe it. The show we got next week. I'm so excited to record it. I'll just throw that out there and we'll go from there. But let me just say uh, I want to thank very much my producers, Dan Baker and David Tigaboo, especially for the work they've done on this Patreon page. It's making a huge difference to us. Thank you to everybody at The Nation magazine. Thank you to everybody listening. Remember, you can always listen to back episodes of the podcast at www.edgeofsportspodcast.com. Please, if you're listening to this on that or on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Please leave a review. Please write a comment. All of that makes a huge difference. To everybody out there listening, we are out of here. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.